was continually rolling about in a sort of convulsive way. Of this infirmity, indeed, I had known before, having heard of it from Mr. Pope, who took the trouble to make particular inquiries. Being nearly seventy-three, full nineteen years older than Dr. Johnson, I say doctor, though his degree came not till two years afterward, I naturally expected him to have some regard for my age, and was therefore not in that fear of him which others confessed. On my asking him what he thought of my favorable notice of his dictionary in the Londoner, my periodical paper, he said, Sir, I possess no recollection of having perused your paper, and have not a great interest in the opinions of the less thoughtful part of mankind. Being more than a little piqued at the incivility of one whose celebrity made me solicitous of his approbation, I ventured to retaliate in kind, and told him I was surprised that a man of sense should judge the thoughtfulness of one whose productions he admitted never having read. Why, sir, replied Johnson, I do not require to become familiar with a man's writings in order to estimate the superficiality of his attainments when he plainly shows it by his eagerness to mention his own productions in the first question he puts to me. Having thus become friends, we conversed on many matters. When, to agree with him, I said I was distrustful of the authenticity of Ocean's poems, Mr. Johnson said, that, sir, does not do your understanding particular credit, for what all the town is sensible of is no great discovery for a Grub Street critic to make. You might as well say you have a strong suspicion that Milton wrote Paradise Lost. I thereafter saw Johnson very frequently, most often at meetings of the Literary Club, which was founded the next year by the doctor, together with Mr. Burke the parliamentary orator, Mr. Beauclerk, a gentleman of fashion, Mr. Langton, a pious man and captain of militia, Sir J. Reynolds, the widely known painter, Dr. Goldsmith, the prose and poetic writer, Dr. Nugent, father-in-law to Mr. Burke, Sir John Hawkins, Mr. Anthony Chamier, and myself. We assembled generally at seven o'clock of an evening once a week at the Turk's Head in Gerard Street, Soho, till that tavern was sold and made into a private dwelling, after which event we moved our gathering successively to Prince's in Sackville Street, L'Atelier's in Dover Street, and Parslow's and the Thatched Roof in St. James's Street. In these meetings we preserved a remarkable degree of amity and tranquillity, which contrasts very favorably with some of the dissensions and disruptions I observe in the literary and amateur press associations of today. This tranquillity was the more remarkable because we had amongst us gentlemen of very opposed opinions. Dr. Johnson and I, as well as many others, were high Tories whilst Mr. Burke was a Whig, and against the American War, many of his speeches on that subject having been widely published. The least congenial member was one of the founders, Sir John Hawkins, who hath since written many misrepresentations of our society. 
Sir John, an eccentric fellow, once declined to pay his part of the reckoning for supper, because twas his custom at home to eat no supper. Later he insulted Mr. Burke in so intolerable a manner that we all took pains to show our disapproval, after which incident he came no more to our meetings. However, he never openly fell out with the doctor and was the executor of his will, though Mr. Boswell and others have reason to question the genuineness of his attachment. Other and later members of the club were Mr. David Garrick, the actor and early friend of Dr. Johnson, Messrs. Thomas and Joseph Wharton, Dr. Adam Smith, Dr. Percy, author of The Relics, Mr. Edward Gibbon, the historian, Dr. Burney, the musician, Mr. Malone, the critic, and Mr. Boswell. Mr. Garrick obtained admittance.